Thanks, Matt, and the team for leading us this morning. Can I share a funny story with you? Is that all right? Every second Saturday, I teach ethnic students down at Logan, so they're largely made up of Africans, some Asians, and two guys from Samoa. And I've been doing this for 12 years now, I think, every second Saturday. Last Saturday, I was teaching on the Holy Spirit. And in the middle of the class, or middle of the time, a young lady put her hand up. And I was expecting her to ask some deep theological question about the Holy Spirit. And she put her hand up. I said, yes, what's your question? She said, why aren't you married? (laughs) That's deep and theological right there, right? And I said, this is the reason. There's one reason. There's one reason why I'm not married. And suddenly I had the whole class attention, right? Those who had their head down on their desk were suddenly, whoa, 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 what's he going to say? What's he going to say? And I said, this is it. This is the one reason. I can go and buy a new shirt. I can go and buy new shoes and come home and not expect the words. Why did you buy that? I love it. I buy something and I knew I come home. I know when I come home, I'm never ever going to hear those words. And they thought, the students, that's it. They thought that's the reason, right? That's the reason why I'm not married. Yesterday, there's a second part to this story. Yesterday, I went bushwalking with some gentlemen from the Grove Church. And we're at lunchtime. We're sitting out there on Russ Sweetman's beautiful deck at Coolum there having chicken and chips talking about rugby league and all the rest of that. And then there was a pause. There was a pause in the discussion. And one of the gentlemen turned to me and he said, Neil, why aren't you married? I didn't realise this has such an interest in people's lives, but obviously it does. And so my answer was, well, I can go and buy a new shirt, new shoes. And I come home and nobody says... Why did you buy that? And the guy next to me, Lloyd, right, he was killing himself laughing. He said, Neil, you're so funny. And I said, why is that? He said, you would not believe. He said, this morning I got up to go bushwalking. And he said, I opened the wardrobe door and I pulled out a shirt. And my wife, lying in bed, said, why are you going to wear that shirt? I'm not as silly as you think. (laughs) We come to the next beatitude in our series, chapter 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be, be comforted. Luke also records in his gospel similar beatitudes to what Jesus spoke in Matthew Of course, Jesus probably spoke many times these Beatitudes to different groups of people. And Luke 6.21 records it it as this. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. The setting of these Beatitudes follows a time of intense ministry for Jesus, as told for us in the end of chapter 4. Jesus had been healing many people who had traveled great distances to go and hear him because they had heard of his miraculous healing powers. Huge crowds turned out to see him. Word had spread 
that this man, this man from Galilee, had the power to make the blind to see and the lame to walk and the deaf to hear. And so these people, these crowds, forsaking, perhaps working in the fields that day, doing something else, said to themselves, we must go and hear this man. Living conditions were tough. I talked about that last time with 90% of the population living in poverty, many living in a depressingly desperate state. In a way where no way their circumstances could be altered and death being common at a young age. Like the Beatitudes we looked at two weeks ago, blessed are the poor in spirit for they, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, this beatitude also would have pricked their ears up. It's a statement of compassion. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus knows what's it, what it's like to live in poverty. He also knows what it is to be burdened with human griefs and to carry our sorrows. So as we look at this beatitude this morning, the question, of course, we need to ask is, who are the ones? Who are the ones who mourn? Who are the ones who weep now? Interestingly, the word that Matthew uses for mourn is the strongest word he could have used. This is not a gentle, sentimental kind of sadness, not a, gee, I'm just feeling a little bit down today. But this word is of intense grief. I'm not sure whether you've ever experienced that. I can't say I have. Not intense grief. This is an anguish so great that it results in a flood of tears, not just a little sob now and then. In fact, the best way to state it would be uncontrollable sobbing. And that's the word that Luke uses. So where the first beatitude that we looked at two weeks ago was of the poor, and they can be classified as those who are totally destitute, only surviving on the charity of others, this beatitude that Jesus speaks is directed towards those who mourn, who are crying or weeping uncontrollably, because they have no one to relieve them of their sorrow. Now we can only guess what the cause of that sorrow is. Maybe they've lost someone whom they've loved so deeply. Maybe it's they've lost something that they've worked so hard towards and now it's been taken from them. But it's caused them great sorrow in the process. If you remember two weeks ago, the solution for those who were poor or poor in spirit was for them to lift their eyes to God and find in him all the riches of life that they needed to so to rely on God for even the basic necessities of life and not to try and find that the world could answer their deepest needs the poor the poor in spirit are those who depend on God for every little thing. Perhaps a beggar. I'm depending on God that today some coins might be thrown in to that little bowl that I have in front of me. That's how poor they were. 
by the world's standards, this person has next to nothing or even nothing itself. Poor in spirit, but rich in God. Similarly here also, I think, those who are broken-hearted to a place where they just weep uncontrollably will only find the solution to their loneliness is for them to lift their eyes to God and find in Him a comfort of love which He alone pours out that they can say, I'm truly loved, I am really deeply loved and I can love in return. We read the word comfort here. And the word comfort that we use today tends to have like a really soft meaning. It wasn't until I went down to the Bible school that I discovered that North Americans call dooners, comforters, comforters. We think of, you know, going to bed at night and being cold and wrapping yourself up in this doona or comforter. But it, it's a word that probably we kind of imagine with somebody who's feeling, you know, a little bit weak. They need some little comfort, somebody to draw alongside them, put an arm around them or something like that. But the actual word comes from the Latin with the cum, meaning C-O-M, meaning with, and fort, meaning strength. So the word originally in the English means with strength, with strength. So perhaps we can translate this beatitude as, Blessed are those in great sorrow, for they shall find companionship that they so desperately need. Which then, of course, leads us to ask the question, who do these mourners have to be their companion? Let me just work around the words of Jesus there and, and, and put it how I think perhaps he was saying. Blessed are you who come here today, weeping, pouring out your deep, deep sorrow for the loss of those who are so dear to you and the loss of that which you hold or held so tightly. For the comfort, the inner strength of companionship that will never be broken, never be taken away, is yours and forever will be yours. For I am among you. I am your brother. I come to you in your loneliness and grief. All that you've looked for in others to bring satisfaction to your soul has left you disappointed and dissatisfied. But in me, this is Jesus speaking, there is everlasting love big enough to take away your grief, remove your loneliness. For my promise to you this day is this, I will never leave you or forsake you. What would it have meant to that original crowd listening to those words of Jesus that day? And coming to me, Jesus says, I come, but also my Father comes with me. We will make our home in you. 
I think that's what Jesus was saying in this beatitude. Preaching to a sermon to a crowd on the mountain there. Jesus didn't point them, you know, go over there, go over there and you'll find some satisfaction. You know, I don't want to hear you crying or, you know, see your tears. Go over there or go over there. Somebody will look after you over there. No, Jesus is saying, let me come to you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Isn't it true that in his love, we grow to become all that he wants us to be? It's in his love that we know we put away the things that are not pleasing to him. It's in his love that we grow to maturity and we put away our childish behavior. For nothing can fill your heart, nothing can fill my heart, but the overflowing love of God through his Holy Spirit. We try, don't we? We try. Oh, that new thing. Oh, that's going to give me great satisfaction. And then after a couple of weeks, we don't appreciate it so much. Well, that person. Oh, that person. Oh, everything, everything, everything. And then after a short time, oh, they're not as perfect as I thought they would be. There's a couple of little flaws there. What we think will bring us everlasting satisfaction and contentment, we discover is only temporary happiness. I've been thinking with everything that's been happening in the news recently, I don't know whether you agree with me or not, but anyway, the root cause of all of society's issues, the root cause of all, every one of society's issues, is an absence of full, free, and overflowing love. Youth crime. Every night. Every night in the news. And why is it? Because there's an absence of love in the family. There's an absence of social love. And if a teenager can't find a sense of belonging in his family, socially... He, will, he or she, right, will look for a group where they do belong. And that group they find has great excitement in stealing cars, taking them on the joyride, outrunning the police. I'm sorry, government, harsher rules, more detail. Oh, no, you can't say detention. They're diversion centres now. That won't be a deterrent, Really? The thrill of the adventure late at night outrunning the police, right, is greater to them than the punishment that may be coming their way. We can get out of this, they think. Only Jesus, only Christ transforms lives. Alcohol abuse in indigenous communities. They break into homes, they break into business. Why? Because there's no love in the home. Their parents are drunk off their faces. They know if I'm at home, I'll be physically abused or I'll be shouted at. So what do I do? I don't stay at home at night. I go and hang around with my friends, bored out of our brains. Let's go and make some trouble. Somebody's got something and I want it. And it's my right that I should also have it, whether I've worked for it or not. 
Only Christ can transform lives. I've honestly come to this conclusion. Every social ill comes from an absence of love. If we're to be honest, locking up the youth, whether they're indigenous, indigenous or not, taking them out of society, thinking to ourselves they just need discipline, 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 that's not the answer. They need to find that they are a person of worth, significance and value. And you and I both know whether that's come from our family or whether that's come from our relationship with God, it's because we know we are loved. 97%, I was shocked at this, 97% of those in one youth detention centre in Queensland are repeat offenders. Only Christ can transform love lives the root of all society's issues is an absence of full free and overflowing love so back into the text what are we going to do what are we going to do with our grief what are we going to do with our deepest sorrows come to jesus Come, acknowledge and discover that in Christ there is a depth of love which we can never exhaust, that in him we find meaning, purpose and significance in life, that whatever achievement, whatever applause of the crowd that we enjoy will not last forever, but the love of God in Christ will. Now, I want you to think about this, because I've been thinking about it since I heard it. When I went to New Zealand to teach over in, in February this year, the principal picked me up in his car, and as we drove down to Cambridge, it took about an hour and a half or two hours, we talked about a whole lot of things in the car. And one of the issues that, that he raised was this. I want you to, I want, what do, I'll be interested in your opinion. He says this. He says, Many refugees come to New Zealand and they find that if they search enough, there is generally always someone to help them with some kind of handout. Need money? Go to a charity. Need a place to live? Well, there's someone who will organise accommodation for you. You need food? Well, there's a charitable organisation willing to help. And then he said this, I'd, I'd never thought of it in this way before. He said this, Vern is his name. What they really need is to come to the end of themselves. Not to keep receiving handouts, but to turn to God in desperation and discover him. Vern is very black and white. Right, there's no grey in his in, in his thinking. And then he said these words to me. He said, "We are doing no good by continually giving them the things they need." Hmm. It's only in Christ, isn't it true, that all of our deepest needs are met? Not by this world. We find in Jesus a love, and nothing can separate us from his love the deepest need that you and I have is not success it's not popularity it's not achievement it's not power it's not strength it's not the abundance of things what we really really need 
is love. And if love is absent, then all of those things really have little worth. But when love is real and we experience, then all those other things get put in their rightful place. I'm sure, I'm pretty confident, it's what you, drew you to become a, become a Christian. I know it was for me. But just that eye-opening reality, God loves me. He loves me. And I'm willing to commit my life to him. The call to each of us is to know that love of the everlasting father, his banner over me, is love. So like all the words of Jesus, these words are profound. They're not empty. They're not just glib statements to be said and they're passed over. I think the crowd went home that day and they had so much to hold on to, so much to process. So many are thinking, well, he really spoke into my life today. The love of Jesus is more powerful than every negative human emotion. Bitterness, anger, frustration, annoyance, grief, all can be overcome by the love of Christ. Even the greatest, the greatest of them all, which is death, Christ has defeated in his love. Jesus has overcome the power of death. And while death frustrates our love for the person who has been taken away from us, Jesus, Jesus' love is never frustrated. Like the crowds that day who, come, who came to hear Jesus, so we are to come to him and we are to find that we can find a relationship with him like no other person can give. In Jesus alone, our hearts are softened. Those hard hearts that we did have previously he begins to work on and begins to work on and begins to work on and replaces that hard-heartedness with a warm fleshly heart that receives his love and our lives are so filled with his love that it overflows and pours out toward others like the psalmist the picture on the screen says, Now my mouth is filled with laughter and our tongue with songs of joy. Blessed, blessed, how happy are you, would say Jesus. If you weep now, for you shall laugh. And in the laughter that I give to you, there will be sadness no more. Grief will come to an end. And instead, there will be everlasting joy. But like we looked at last time, I wondered also if there's another level to this beatitude that goes beyond just emotion and actually touches into the spiritual as well. Remember last time, blessed are the, are the poor in spirit? I wonder if in this beatitude also, blessed are those who mourn. Jesus is talking about a person's spiritual state. Those who are aware of their spiritual 
need and who mourn over their wretchedness, like Paul would write in Romans chapter 7, O wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? And so we have the, at one level, blessed are those who mourn, you've lost somebody whom you so deeply loved, you've lost some things or something that was so important in your life, but then at another level, Jesus is saying this, your spiritual state, your need to be loved by God and to receive his love. I'm speaking into you also. And if that's true, if there are two levels to this beatitude, then Jesus is speaking to us that we need to come to him acknowledging our insufficiency and his sufficiency. One without the other is never enough. We can try to ignore our poverty of spirit. We can try to cover it up. We can try to substitute anything but Christ. Thinking, this will make me a better person. This will make me a whole person. This will make me a good person. It's only when we come to Jesus personally. Otherwise, we'll remain in our impoverished spiritual state forever. And we come to Christ, and we come to Christ through repentance. Not only the sorrow of what we have done, but the sorrow for who we are. Real repentance goes to a much deeper level than just what we've done. It comes into the very centre of who we are. Lord, I'm not what you created me to be. And I want you to change me. And then, it's only then, when we're allowing the Spirit of God in us, to have his way in us, changing us, that our behaviour changes also. For how we act is the expression of who we are. And so the real need for all of us is to acknowledge our deep need for a saviour. Not only, not only one who forgives us for the things that we've done in the past. Not only one who forgives us for the things we're doing in the present. Not only one who forgives us of the things that we're going to do in the future. That's all well and good, but we need a saviour who comes and lives inside. Jesus does that. If we've only come to Christ acknowledging that my sins of the past are forgiven and my sins in the present are forgiven, my sins in the future are forgiven, and then that's it, every day we will fall and fail, we'll fall and fail, we'll fall and fail. But when we know the living Christ in us, Changing our minds, changing my thoughts, changing my attitudes, changing my emotions, changing my behaviour. Then I become the person he wants me to be. Our poverty is replaced with his riches. Our defeat is replaced with his victory. Our weakness is replaced with his strength.
and our sin is replaced with his righteousness. So let me rework this beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn because having been made aware of their need to be loved and to love in return, they turn from their sin, they put their faith in Christ, they receive in him eternal life and everlasting love. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. Lord, we're, we're thankful this morning, Lord. You not only forgive us of our sin, Lord, that, that is a wonderful thing, but the gift of your spirit, Lord, within us, getting rid of all the filth and the muck that we know is there, replacing it with light and life and love. Come and fill us afresh this day, Lord, we pray. May our hearts be overflowing with the love of the Holy Spirit shed abroad in our hearts. For your sake and for your glory, we pray. Amen. Thanks, Ian. Good. Well, if you've been encouraged, let's stand together and uh, let's sing a song which speaks of this. The goodness of God, a God who is unchanging. That's a, that's a good thought. The Father has always been where He has always been. And let's, uh, let's think on that now as we sing this song.
Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Amen.